Have you seen what Steve Troughton Smith is doing with contrast paints? Um, not this week. Okay, go to go to show notes. All right, I'm going. Okay, and take me. I'm clicking. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, la- application is launching. Okay, I'm typing in a URL. Okay, press. I, I, I have it in my bookmark bar with exclamation points. It's it's ex- exclamation oh, okay. exclamation exclamation five by five. That, that's All right, a there, there it is right now. Uh-huh. A single a, coat contrast looks amazing. Maybe this hype is real. Of course, I understand it's a very situational paint. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But for organics and cloth, this could be perfect. And I'm looking at uh, some images of a figure. Mm-hmm. It's very cool looking. There's a guy that gets from Warhammer, whatever that is. Yeah. So this is this new kind of paint. It's very controversial. It's controversial on several levels. But the idea is, if you just want to do a quick and dirty, like, you know, uh, you know, uh, t- uh, table ready, like, oh, I just want to get my fig ready, you mm-hmm. get this paint. And it's, it's from a company called uh, Citadel. And they do this thing called contrast paint. And you basically do this one coat of paint with the color, the main color that you want. And look 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 how that looks. Isn't that wild? It's really I mean, interesting. Yeah. I he's, mean, I, he's, I, a really, he's a really good painter, but you could tell like he, he sees details that my eyes can't see as you guys. What is it about this paint that's so different from conventional paint? Oh, that's a good question. And that's part of the controversy is that most people, it's a controversy. Do you, have you even heard of a contract? I got it wrong. Um, but normally when you want to get this kind of contrast out of something, you do a base coat and you let it dry. You might do a wash and then some dry brushing. So the wash gets into the cracks and, and crevices and crevasses and gives you that dark effect. And then on top of that, you do something called dry brushing. This is at least what, as far as I know, the, the kind of medium level way to do this is base coat plus wash plus dry brushing. So the wash gives you the darker details and then light dry brushing is where you put the tiniest, 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 almost no like light paint, usually white, mm-hmm. but lighter mm-hmm. paint. And then you kind of gently brush it so that it pulls out the highlights on stuff that's higher up that wouldn't be recessed. Now, with the contrast paint, that, and the notion is, if you just want to do a quick and dirty on this, you do this one coat of paint, and you get that kind of an effect out of it. Isn't that kind of amazing? With one, yeah. I mean, anything that reduces the time that it takes to do something, if you can, you know, I mean, it's the same thing like the paints when we painted this office. Mm-hmm. It's like you can get one coat now is usually sufficient and really? you're like, well, yes. And I was like, especially if the base, if the color you're painting over is similar, if it's like a dark color and you've got to go, you can still do a couple ones. But with the low VOC paints that they have now and things like mm-hmm. that, like for, for walls. So it makes sense that they're figuring out how to make this better. But it, yeah. I didn't realize, see, the thing is, I didn't realize how big of like a, an industry the little figure thing is now. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, back in the day, it was, at least when I was playing D&D, it was a f- pretty much fully optional thing to, to have the, the figs on, like, hex paper Can I tell or whatever. You, we, I never had them, ever. No, it just slow, it was like people who, who did movement and encumbrance. It just slowed things down. Um, like, scroll down I, but to... I lo- but I loved it. I, like, I, whenever I yes. watch TV and they have movies and there's always, you know, the people playing, they always have it's the figs. So like, I'm like, like a Stranger Things. It's that. so much more fun to play with the little men. Who wouldn't want that? It would exactly. make it so much more cool. So, so scroll down to July 4th just to compare. All right. Um, and you can see, like, 
And so, so okay, now, now, now the, the pro way to do this, the way to get, I always confuse tabletop versus tournament, but to make the fancy looking ones, you're going to want to really learn how to do these way better than I can. And you go in and all that stuff that other people would accomplish with washes and dry brushes, you're going to do with hand like highlighting. Like you're going to go in and mix paints so that you can get these effects that are just bananas. That's at the yeah. other end of the spectrum. So here's the controversy. The, the, as I understand it, the controversy is the hype some people say about this mm. product is okay this isn't really that new of an idea that you could make your own at home you could make the equivalent of what they call contrast paint yourself um i mean i'm not even getting to the big the big controversy is this meh you'll never get good at painting if you use shortcuts like this oh well, right it's, a, plan, it's, a, it's cheating yeah. or something well yeah and i mean like i put a couple youtube because this is very germane to what we do here i put a couple uh youtube links in there of people who are like meh uh, you're not going to get good at this i'm not gonna one uh, one gentleman says i am resisting the hype and it's, i understand that because your racket is that you <laughs> what's that uh that, that quote from the slaughterhouse guy not, not vonnegut the other slaughterhouse guy up in sinclair about you know somebody um a man uh, not being able to understand a fact that would like screw up his career. Uh, something like that. <laughs> that quote Gruber does all the time. It's very early mm-hmm. here. Anyhow, I um, but it's also controversial because everybody knows that however good their paints are, they're not that good. Citadel paints come in these little pots that are crap. They're real crap little pots. They dry out. They're hard to pour. They're really crummy. And then I think there's another controversy that involves the way uh, setting aside all of the pre-release hype where they got a lot of these in the hands of extremely experienced painters. And like Steve, I call him Steve. People know him for iPhone stuff. I know him for his figure painting. Sure, that's right. <laughs> um, whatever. <laughs> I got a leak. I found something in a package. I don't care. You're a great painter, Steve. Um, <laughs> but uh, supposedly, supposedly also Citadel has done this jam up where they're like, I don't know, somewhere between offering, encouraging and demanding that retail stores buy these new displays and heavily feature these, they're, these, these paints are kind of hard to get. They're like pretty, there's like one vendor on Amazon and it's really hard to get. And, and so that's why the point is, that's why we're doing a shorter show today is, is that I am going to leave and I'm going to go to Gamescape. Don't be creepy to visit Darrow Avenue. I'm going to go to Gamescape and I'm going to buy some of these and I'm going to try it. But isn't that kind of a neat effect? Which yeah, you, I look, think keep scrolling, keep scrolling. Look no, at these I, yeah, they have. He's got videos, rotating videos. He's got everything on there, and these are all with that new kind of uh, cheating paint. Cheaty paint <laughs> title, cheaty paint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are mostly with cheaty paint, and um, I just thought I thought I'd give it a spin. Now, I think this kind of paint makes a ton of sense for people who are actually playing games like whatever Warhammer is, and you need like dozens of figs to yes. actually play the game. See, and that was, you just mentioned Warhammer. That was, uh, well, that, that should be in our, uh, in our show notes. That was what that is. My introduction to figures or figs yeah. came from Warhammer and some friends of mine in high school got into Warhammer and they had, it these was around figs. back then. Yes. Oh well, my, in my, my high school, not, not when you went, Oh, okay. But still, you know, there's a good 50 year <laughs> a gap there. No, I We're think it was generations. This I'm into was, Star Wars and you're into that Empire Strikes Back. That's, that's right. No, this was probably <laughs> like circa, you know, uh, pulled and pinched and hurt my neck 1988 time okay. period. So I would think it would be, you know, late eighties is when this, I recall it as mm-hmm. the, and them having these figures 
that they were all painting in different ways. And I'm like, what is this? And he, I mean, they were mainly my one, one friend was like, this was serious, like almost as serious as, as it is for you in his, you know, (laughs) like, and he would, he would be up at night and he would be getting different brushes and he'd be, uh, you know, doing, it was very, and I'm like, what goes on in the game? I don't even, I never got to sit in on a Warhammer game. I don't know what it's about. I don't know what anything about it, except that the figures always look so awesome. Yes. Well, and these I was robot like, fighter well, guys look awesome. Yeah, they're so cool. And so let's see when it's, like, yeah, years active, 1983 through 2010 <sighs> is the original Warhammer. So I'm going to see, I'm going to add this to my list. I'm clicking. I'm going to see if they have what are called Warhammer figurines. I got to pick up some more Dragon Red because I've been painting the dragon. And uh, it's it's actually really really boring because it's only like really two colors. But uh, let's so that's see my else. that's my kind of paint job right there. Two colors. I, I, I want something smooth. This dragon is very pointy. It's a spiky dragon, <laughs> and I'm eventually going to have to go in and paint all the spikes, and I'm kind of dreading that. But and I did a real sloppy job, like all in the time of less than one Brooklyn Nine Nine. I just went splorch and mm. put all this red paint on it, and I, I used a whole uh, army painter dragon red. La la la. Okay, so I Anyways. have a question. I have a, a yes, D&D, mm-hmm. a D&D figure question. Awesome, perfect. Okay, so let's say that you've got your character, and let's say it's like a dwarven fighter or something. And so you uh-huh. get a you get your figure and you paint him and you get him ready to go and then you you play and in the course of playing the module, he dies. Right. Can you reuse the figure? Do you are you I do don't you just know. put it on a shelf and then and that's like the testament to him etc like what do you do oh i see like you know r.i.p never yeah, forget you, like like when uh like um when uh, uh, my, michael my, jordan retired i will honor your memory yeah like when michael jordan <laughs> retired right yes um oh, you're they, you hang your cleric in the they rafters? retire his number and they never use it again number <laughs> 23 the is the, the miami heat will never again use number 23 you know yeah they did that for uh they do that for kevin durant here everybody's all mad but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's a really good question. I don't know. As you know, Dan, I am uh, a professional poser. The- <laughs> I, I mean, I was, a, I was not a very good writer, but I was very into the, the, uh, the porn of writing uh-huh, tools. Uh-huh. <laughs> I own all the apps. I don't write a thing. I, I couldn't finish a book. I'm a terrible person. But I, I do, like right here. Okay, right here. Right here. I don't need this Studio Neat Pano book, but I love it so much. You ever seen the Pano book from Studio I Neat? saw I saw the videos about it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I bought three of them. They're really nice, and I don't need them, but, but I love them. And I'm kind of like that with the with these little little uh, little lead men, as I like to call them. Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer to that. What I'm trying to say is I haven't actually played Emic played D&D since probably 11th grade. I was, I was very into it in like 10th grade, 9th grade, 10th grade. And then, um, you know, then I had a, a latent period, as Freud says. <laughs> and, and then I had a child. We had a question refractory this week about period, if you will. Say again? Refractory period. Is that what that's called? I think huh. so. Huh. I know it from Annie Hall. I, I know Woody Allen is problematic, but um, that's still a very good movie. A, a period immediately following stimulation during which a nerve or muscle is unresponsive to further stimulation. <laughs> oh, I p- pinched and p- pulled. What is it? Hurt my neck, 1988. <laughs> what is that? The Rain Man? Yes. <laughs> There was an anecdote about the. I the, think it's the, actually sque- squeezed and pulled and hurt my neck in 1988. Serious, 1988. serious injury list. Yeah, I, I have a uh, I have a dear family member who is um, not quite at the Raymond 
level, but yeah. um, he re- he really needs to be there when Jeopardy starts. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We, we just were visiting uh, on a recent uh, family visit, and it's like it's uh, he's like <laughs> we really got to really got to get in there, and then you have to mute it for the interviews. He hates the interviews. Really. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, got, he's got a system. You got to respect it. I respect any system. A system yeah. is a is a very very good idea. Now wait. Now what did you say that was so intriguing to me? Squeezed oh, and pulled and hurt my neck in 1988. Raymond neck. Raymond Babbitt. D and D porn. Hot water burn baby. Yes. Um, oh yeah. There was an anecdote about uh, the, uh, the 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 great Jeffrey Epstein. I was having a party. And <laughs> there was a bunch of celebrities there. Oh wait, Epstein or uh, Epstein. oh god, I did. did I, was that anti-Semitic? I the think president it's says our, our people are being anti-Semitic, and I don't. I don't want to join in on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm no Jeffrey Corbin. You know what I mean? So um, the uh, they had some kind of party, and there's a bunch of people there. And I, I want to say, I think it was in the New York Times. <laughs> god, there's been so much interesting coverage of that man. This is Steinerstein. Is, is you say it's Steinerstein? Uh, I don't it's Stein Epstein. Epstein. Ben, it's ben it's Epstein's Stein. Home. If it's if it's E I N, it's mm. Ean. If it's oh. I E N, it's Ein. Life hack. Okay. Uh, Jeffrey had a party, and uh, there's a bunch of celebrities there, including uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Director Woody Allen and his wife. And they ran into somebody. I want to say it was Chelsea Handler, but so, somebody else at the party says, "Oh, oh, how did you? How did you two meet?" So that must have been a thing. <laughs> How did we meet? How long uh-huh. do you have? Well, actually, it won't take very long. It's my uh, it's my stepdaughter. So the uh, it's been a huge <laughs> week. We do have a uh, a letter from a listener that I li- would like to finally at length address. Uh, and I don't have too much. I don't have too much. I wanted to talk about painting, and now we've done that. Uh, what's what's going on in your neck of the woods? Uh, let's mm. see. Okay, so I, I had a uh, silly. Se- I- it's still silly season. Heck yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, how are you dealing with that? Things have calmed down a little bit for us because our, God willing, our travel component component has ended. And it's over. Nice... It's over and done with. You're back. You're safe. And every, <sighs> oh, everything's God, over. Dan, 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 Dan. I need to get a host file that just lets me never use United Airlines ever. ever oh, what, ever. what happened with that? Oh, I don't want, you know, complaining, complaining about airlines and United in particular is, you know, it's, it's such an old story. Why do you, it's like me and Popeye's. Like, I love Popeye's fried chicken. There's a chance I'll get Popeye's fried chicken today because there's one like a block and a half from Gamescape. But if I go, I'm only going to get a two-piece, and here's why. I know, number one, that I love Popeye's fried chicken. And I know, number two, that as a 52-year-old man, every time I eat it, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to do things to me. Secondarily, I might get some extra reading time, but mm-hmm. the first thing is it's going to make me very, very tired and logy. Okay? But... I do enjoy eating the Popeyes at the time before the bathroom time start. I enjoy it very much. I don't enjoy United Airlines. I was stuck. I was in a dilemma. I had to buy an airline ticket late. And two, I'm going to just, two horrible things happened. One is the only flight that made any sense at all was on United. And second, it goes through Newark. You did not want to go through Newark. Okay. Newark, Newark, Newark. Okay, so Newark, when you have to move between terminals, which you always have to do at Newark, mm-hmm. you literally take a bus. That's their system. They're si- like, we did this years ago. Like and when carrying, you say a bus, you're talking like a like a real bus that you get onto, a not bus like a... Bus bus, bus. First of all, you're, if, you, if you're in Terminal A, which you almost always are, if you're like connecting on one of those little crappy, you know, um, Embraer tiny jets, mm-hmm. practically a prop plane, 
You land yeah. in, in the crappy terminal. Then you, you, they have the stairs. The stair car comes out and you have to walk around outside. You have to take a bus to the terminal to get dropped off. And then if you need to go to Terminal C, which you probably do, you, you literally take a bus. Now, my, my lady friend and I did this years ago when we had a baby. We're going to talk about babies later. This is going to be a very popular episode. <laughs> so you're carrying the car seat. You're carrying the gear. You got all the stuff. The bus is loaded with half angry people who don't understand why they're on a bus, who are certainly going to miss their connecting United flight because that's just what they do. Yes. And a bunch of workers in yellow vests talking very loudly about their overtime. Um, that's fine. That's fine. But here's the thing. We did that years ago. And I was like, this looks like Beirut. What is happening at this airport? It looks like it's constantly exploding and getting fixed. It's like, it's like the restaurant in Brazil. Like what is happening at this airport? Mm -hmm. And I thought, surely this time going through Newark, it'll be all better. No, guess what? That's the system. The system is you take a bus from one terminal to the other. My flight out and my flight in, they both went through Newark. Both of them were delayed. Both, both of my flights every flight I had was delayed. Every flight I had was missed. Mm. Every flight I had had to be rescheduled. Mm. Every flight, my luggage was lost as a consequence, not lost, oh mislaid God. as a result of that. So I got to use the very wonderful website, Where Is My Suitcase, which is a very good website. You can see where your luggage is if you ever get it. Uh, I got, got rebooked on, on just on just some, some real, real crappy old planes that look like a bus. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. You, ma you made it. I did, but coming back from New England last week, um, from the time I, my family, I flew separately from my family because I don't like them. They, they dropped me off at the airport uh, in New England. And from the time of being dropped off at the airport to me walking in my door was 14 hours and 43 minutes. Oh my God. Yeah. That's now, now, when they flew back horrible. on JetBlue... It was under six hours because, well, they flew out of Boston and it was way easier. But, you know, this is, this is, it, it's just, it's just so frustrating. Everyone there is so mad. And then, you know, you get mad and you, you try to be a gentleman about it. Like when I checked in my luggage in New England, there was a very, very, very angry, angry woman, <laughs> a woman who was working alone at the check-in luggage counter. Mm -hmm. And boy, was she ever fired up. She was like a living reaction gif. She was so angry. And she was like, I can't even talk to you until you put a tag on your bag. I'm like, I'm, I'm in the premier line. She's like, oh, you're going to put a tag on your bag. I can't even talk to you. And I was like, okay, thank you. Uh, I'm from Ohio and apologize for everything. So I went and even though I was already checked in, I did my bag tag like a gentleman. And, uh, and I said, well, it looks like a rough day. Good luck. And she goes, good luck. And I said, I was trying to be kind. And what then I did walked she say away. No, you, you were out of there. Well, she was, I, well, I mean, well, here's the, the neat part is, and this is such a neat thing about flying on United, is they're so understaffed that the angry person who gives you your boarding pass could very well be the angry person who scans your boarding pass an hour later. So I got to right. meet her again. Oh. Oh, did I mention that flight was delayed too? Oh my, yeah, well, you Anyways, said all of them were. That sucks. I, you know, I'm back. It's just, it's, I have so much anxiety about travel to begin with. And I, I really try to deal with it, but look, there's just so much. We talked about this before, Dan, so much, so much uncertainty. I, in a second, I want to hear about something you like, but um, we, as you do that, I want to locate a recent episode of Hilarious World of Depression with uh, John Moe, where uh, he talks about people uh, being a, person, a depressed or anxious person traveling. And it was a mm. very, very, very good episode. 
And I, I l- waited until I got back to listen to it for obvious reasons. Yeah, right. You don't want to have that on your back of your mind. Um, uh, um, it's called The Perils and Rewards of Travel. I will put it into show notes, July 8th. Um, Dan, and as much as you're comfortable or legally obligated to say, where would people find show notes for episode 434 of your Back to Work program? 434, that's going to be at 5by5.tv slash B as in brothers, 2 as in the number W as in walrus slash 43. Did you just say you said 434? 434. 434. Squeezed and pulled and hurt my neck in 1988. 88. Squeezed and pulled and hurt my neck in 1988. 88. Charlie Babbitt. Charlie Babbitt. About $100. Did you have something to tell me about that that you like? Yeah, I love love to tell you about my molecule Molecule. device that I have. This is my favorite device. Air purifier. I have this at home and we keep it in the main, what we, what we tend to call the family room, uh, because technically we don't really have what, what you would call a living room to me. I feel like that's a separate thing. It's a, we call it the family room. I don't know why we call it that. You could have a family room, you could have a parlor, um, you could have a, um, a living room, you could have a, we call ours a lounge. A lounge. I might start calling it lounge. It's I think easier it's an important say. distinction, but wherever you are, you're going to want that air to be clean. You want it to be clean. And so we put this, so what the, mo- the molecule is a, it is an air purifier, but it's a reinvention of the air purifier. It doesn't just improve on existing technology, you know, blow air through a filter and call it a day. And that's basically the technology that we've had forever since they first invented, you know, the, the, the concept of an air filter back in the 1940s. And that's most, if, if not all other uh, air purifiers, filters, whatever you call them. That's really the, the technology that most of them have. And that's, it's in part because it's a very good technology, but molecule takes it further than that. Uh, it introduced a breakthrough science that for the first time is capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level. Hence the name molecule. They use something called Pico P E C O Pico technology that goes beyond regular filtration, which is usually HEPA filtration, it doesn't just capture, but it also completely destroys the full spectrum of indoor air pollutants, including those that are a thousand times smaller than a HEPA filter can even trap. Uh, one customer even said that she was able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years because it helps with allergies. It helps if you have asthma. It helps with all of this stuff uh, to to a really, really high degree. And I can tell you, and of course, this is just an anecdote, but I can tell you that since we put this thing in, I feel like collectively as a family, but me directly, my, and I, I, I do have a small degree of seasonal allergies. It used to be much worse, but since getting the molecule, it's really, really improved it for me. And I, it seems like, again, I don't, I don't want to jinx it, but this mm-hmm. has really, really made a difference for us. And I can only imagine how much it would help people with asthma or other breathing issues or just people with really bad allergies. And a lot of people have, uh, have told me after, you know, usually they'll, they'll tweet me and they'll say, Hey, you know, I took a chance. I got one of these things and it, re- it's helped me a lot. And that's awesome because it's one thing to say, Hey, here's a cool sponsor. Check them out. It's another to say, this actually is really helping people. And that's, that's really cool. Uh, these things are beautiful. They come in an awesome package. They're these beautiful aluminum monolith, uh, cylinders that that sit there and there's you have an app that lets you control it on your phone it has a silent mode it, there's so much cool stuff that you can do with it 
My, and, mine's uh, in silent mode right now. You didn't even notice it. I didn't even know you had it on. And I will tell you that I have. I moved it to my office because I want my air cleaner here. I'm on, I'm on a mission. I would do that. I would, I probably sh- should do that. My family would get upset at me uh, because the, I do have an air filter here, but it's before I knew about the molecule. And it's just mm-hmm. like a, one of the, you know, just plain like HEPA ones. It's like, and the like, molecule a, like a fan and some better. cheesecloth. <laughs> Basically. So <laughs> they have a special deal for our listeners. 75 bucks off your first order. If you go to molecule.com and here's how you spell that M O A M O L E K U L E it's molecule, but there's a K M O L E K U L E molecule.com. And at checkout, you enter the promo code back to work and you'll get that 75 bucks off your first order. So thanks very much to molecule with a K for making my home air better to breathe and for sponsoring this episode. Thanks molecule. Thanks, Molecule. Buck, buck. Did you say a thousand times smaller? That's what they say in the information. Maybe that's what the K is for. Oh, because K is a a thousand. Kilo. Kilo. Kilo Kilocule. Yes. Um, Well, I I did not, you know, I did not prepare very much. I have have a couple things if you want. Yes, please go. It's your show, so Mm. whatever. It care. is my show, and I appreciate that acknowledgement. Um, so I have two two things written down here: glasses, mm-hmm. and underneath that, the word speculation. Mm. And and these are two topics that have been big in my life over the last uh, week or so. And and so the interesting thing we, we could start if you want with glasses and then sure. work our way to speculation. Well, I'm super interested in speculation. Don't leave that off the menu. I won't. And glasses isn't a big thing. But uh, if you remember, we have t- we have talked a lot about glasses on this show. And uh, I had had a pair of glasses for some time. I think they were about two years old because the Sib- year before Sibley Sibley frames. No, no, these are, oh. I, I, you used to always I talk have, about your Sibley, Sibley frames. I used to have Sibley frames all the time, but now I, I switched to a Ray-Ban frame that, because it, they, they're, I just like them. Mm-hmm. So sure. these I had for about two years because last year when I went in, the doc said your prescription is barely detectable change. It's not even worth getting new glasses for. So then about a week or so ago, I uh, I thought that I was uh, having a stroke or something because mm-hmm. like my vision was like suddenly blurry in one eye and I couldn't oh, figure geez. it out and I would like clean the lens and then put it back and it was still there and I and I was finally able to figure out that it it was just something happened to maybe the lens itself or one of the coatings on the lens or something. And it got what almost, I, I would have tried to take a picture of this to use as, as show art uh, because I know it's important for the, the audience to see this, but I didn't take a picture of it because it's too hard to photograph, but something that almost looks like stress fractures. And I want to hear from my fellow glasses wearing uh, listeners on Twitter. If you want to hit me up there, almost look like two, you know, bigger than a pencil eraser sized areas of what you could only call stress fractures. Really? Because when you run your finger or fingernail or something across it, it doesn't catch. So it's not scratches, but it almost looks like a little cluster of intense scratches that unfortunately happen to be right over the main parts of where you look through your glasses, like almost perfectly lined up with your pupil. 
And, uh, and I couldn't figure oh, out what God. the heck caused it. I didn't drop them. I certainly didn't scratch them. Maybe it just got hot while I was wearing them. And they, I don't know. I have no idea. So anyway. But it's right in the middle, like where you look? Yeah. And there's like two spots. It's like one that, a little it's like that Don Knotts disease that I'm scared of. Which is what? Uh, macular degeneration. It's like the scariest thing in the world. And I, I live every day in fear of macular degeneration. That's where you lose your sight from the middle out. Right. I've, I've known people who've had that. That's why Don Knotts used to wear those cool glasses. I didn't know that. That's yeah, interesting. I love Don Knotts. Okay, so now I gotta that look up sucks. Don Knotts glasses. Okay, so um, so I, after this happened, I went to my backup pair, which was my progressive lenses, mm-hmm. and I have tried to deal with these progressive lenses for a year. I've worn them for weeks at a time, and I can never get used to them. And we've really? talked about that. Yeah, I could never. I can never get used to them. Every time it's, it's, it's like it, at first, it is very, very tough and weird. It's infuriating. Like, I mean, you, you can't have to look learn. to the side. You can't move your eye. You got to be like an owl and rotate your head ooh, to ooh. see anything. Hoot, hoot. I'm an owl. Yeah, you you got to. And like when I'm painting, because it's always about the painting for me, I have to hold the figure at, ex- it's like any, if I want to see anything with detail close yeah. up, I have to hold it in exactly one spot. Yes. Because they're essentially like reading glasses, right? The, the yeah, bottom part. Yeah, the, the, the bottom part, but the, the way that it works for people who don't know about progressive lenses is it almost if you can imagine in your mind a the shape of a of a tall funnel that's kind of the way that the path of the progressive lenses works in that you you kind of have a wider part up at the top where you you see i guess distance and general that, that, looking so around so yeah the top part is where you're getting the help you need to look straight ahead and see something at a distance and so that part's the widest part it goes all the way out but then as as you're as you there's, start there's to a middle, look, there's a DMZ in the middle where right, nothing happens. Right. And then the, and then the, 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 the bottom the is funnel. magnified. Yes. And so that supposedly helps you read things that are closer up and, and things like that. Without having but, to change. Otherwise, what they'll tell you is otherwise you got to wear two pairs of glasses if you want, right? If you're doing something close up, you need glasses yeah. that are just just close up part. stuff. Right. Yeah. So I tried, I, I would try them for a couple of weeks at a time and I, I would, I would never be able to get used to it. So I tried those for a few days and while I made waited for my appointment at the eye doctor to get new checkup, which I was due for anyway. And a long story short, uh, I couldn't use the progressive. So I found another pair of glasses that I had that was also like two or three years old, maybe even older, that had bifocals on them. And What's I, the difference? What's well, the difference? bifocals have that little, it's like... A They've little got a circular uh, TV, TV screen face, uh, t- TV like the aspect ratio of a TV, like my grandpa used to wear, and that's those are just magnifiers, right? It's just area. like you had miniature lenses stuck on top of the existing lens, so there's a little line, that's and so, so and so yeah. instead of gradually going from like less to more to more to more to maximum. It's just like, here, we're going to glue some little reading lenses on top, but they do it in a way that it is very subtle and, and other people can't really see that I have the bifocal part unless they're really closely staring at my lenses. I can see it very easily, but if you're an onlooker observing me mm-hmm. first, you're going to be struck by just the presence and the, and the, the handsome factor. Mm-hmm. So I think that blinds you, you people kind of, a lot. You exude that in a way that I, yeah. I suspect you can't control. No, I, it's out of my control. And this is yes. the, this is my fate. And that's that you live with that. You get used to it. You know, okay. I don't talk about it a lot, well, but you get yeah. used to the people's reactions, the admonishment, the, you know, all of that. So 
They Andy. look across and, and you can barely see the little divi- dividing lens. So, but I went into the doctor and I said, listen, hmm. I can't, I've tried three times for like two weeks at a time. I can't get used to these thousand dollar progressive lenses. Don't talk to me about that part. It's too depressing. And you I gotta said, go. This is why the, my, my optometrist says, don't get them from the place that we like online. Cause you need to get very specific. Yes. A fitting. Otherwise they're not going to do the thing and you're just going to get like a costly headache. Yeah, exactly. You have to get them from it. So I said, but I'm just going to go with bifocals and they're like, that's, that's fine. Some people just can't get used to the progressive, but the guy's like, I'm really glad that you tried. I'm really glad you gave it such a good try. And I said, all right. Mm -hmm. And I said, so it's, I I said, I'm going to go with my grandpa glasses. And he laughed. He says, they're not, we sell a lot of these. So I felt a little better, but I wanted to share that. And I'm asking specifically if, if there are people out there uh, I would love to hear your story about, about that the nature as well. nature of your glasses injury. This sounds like we should put up the Dr. Durang signal. You know, he's real good at that. He'll tell you why a plane door broke and stuff. That's like what he does. Oh, there he goes. The stress. That's a beautiful artwork I'll use for our, uh, yeah, because I want to know from I love Durang. The God, just, do you have to do that to get it? Can't you go outside and rev it? Do you have to do it in the garage? Um, that's I what think, he, okay, first of yeah, all, that Google, specialty you know, is his, is, is determining like failure of materials. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, he's an ex, I think he's an expert witness. That's like what he does is he goes in and says like, this is why the handle broke off your thing. There's so striate, when I typed in, striation. I just typed in, yeah, striations. I just typed in Dr. Drang. And so the search results that I get from Google, Dr. Drang is the first result. The second is Dr. Drang, real name, Dr. Oh, yeah. Drang, Twitter, Dr. Drang, photo management, Dr. Drang text expander. Mm-hmm. Does he still use that creepy snowman? I hope. Yeah. Oh God. Yes. No, I don't yeah. think he's going to let that go. He's reached an age that he said, you know, I think he's older than me, but you reach an age where you don't change your icon anymore. Well, I, have you met him in person? I've talked privately with him. I've met him. I've met him in person and I can tell yeah. you he's, he is significantly older than you. Okay. But he's, he's really smart. And he doesn't need help around, you know, yet. But he's. Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. God. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be so hard for you when you really do start breaking. Your dignity is going to be so wounded. Yeah. You're going to stop making fun. You're going to stop. I'm glad. No, I'm, all, I'm already there with a lot of things, and I'm already. I'm. If I can't make fun of it, then uh, I, I would. I would feel depressed as hell. You know, we 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 laugh, we laugh to keep from crying. See, I yes. thought the snowman was a clown for a long time, which made it even worse. <laughs> is it worse? Is it worse or is it better? I don't know, well, but I don't like it. I mean, if you look at the image, mm-hmm. um, I'm used to seeing it on Twitter where it's teeny. Yes. Which I think most people don't account for when they make their terrible icons. They, they make these incredibly detailed things of them sitting in their car with their wraparound sunglasses. You can't tell <laughs> what, the, what the hell's going on. Well, here's the weird thing about it. To look at the image, and here I'm going to, I'm sure you, you have ways to see well, that. Look, but it's that's, a, actually a very high quality photo. I'm guessing it's a beloved family decoration. This would be my guess. Yeah, the weird thing about it oh, God, is it's it, looking off to the side. Uh, it does look clownish, and because it is not a well, now you know it is a clown. Yeah, it's a it, well, it's it's a very clowny snowman. Yeah, no, this is I've something we've addressed it on my brother, my brother f- and me. Like, what kind of monster it takes to actually create a snowman with humanity? How awful! What an awful! <laughs> what an awful thing you would make to create something that you that. <laughs> has human self-awareness but knows even more than a normal human how numbered its days are now that i look at it up close i think it's a i think it is a clown but that old top hat they found that's why i thought it was a snowman because it had a carrot colored nose i think it's a snowman 
Well, maybe hat. maybe he cropped it this way because we don't want to see what a, what a, what Eldritch Eldritch Horror the rest How of his body is. How big is it? It might have tentacles below the neck. Oh yes. You know? How big do you think it is? Like the the actual object? I bet it fits in the palm of your hand. I don't know. It's hard to say. Is it's it hard an to ornament? Say. Is it a mask? See, I just look at this and all I see is painting, and I think about, ooh, it's it's you know, interesting. It's got some highlights, it's got some low lights. <laughs> like to, I'd like to go get, be uh, let, let let loose on this with some of my contrast paints I'm buying today at Gamescape. <clears throat> uh, you could use that as show art. I'm sure you wouldn't mind. Um. <laughs> Well, if it's on Twitter, it's in the public domain, right? That's so. how that's how it works. So they have a statement on there. It's, uh, it was written by Jimmy Wales. You can't get to the article until you read about the uh, donations, and then uh, what happens is you you put it in the public domain. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, it's the uh, the the BDSM license. Is that what it's called? That's the one, <laughs> yes, is that the one at Berkeley. That's, that's the yeah, Berkeley system. Okay. That's the one. Berkeley mm-hmm. systems are the ones that made the flying toasters. I think. Oh, that's BSD. I think you. But about. Berkeley, it's not the music school, right? <laughs> Uh, no, that is that is the music. What about the Guitar Institute of Technology? Is that a license? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what that's the guys the guys in the mullets who shred. They have like the thirty five string guitars. Hmm. You ever seen you know, the video of that guy who plays two guitars arpeggios at, once? at that speed? <laughs> arpeggios from hell. Okay, Dan, have you ever googled arpeggios from hell? You made me do that. Yes. <laughs> See, a normal arpeggio you think goes do 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 do. Not for Ingve. He's doing this. Ingve Melnstein. Yeah. I'm going to find arpeggios from hell. For I got it in notes. the show notes. Sorry. Oh, good, 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 good. <laughs> um, uh, well, expectations? No. Speculation, speculation. Speculation. So I was, um, I was having a conversation with my wife, and the concept or the topic of speculation came up. And we, we, we were talking about why I, I can no longer engage in speculation about things that I have no Is it an Apple thing over. or a general thing? Well, it, I think because I used to do as, as you remember, I used to do like 40 or 50 shows about Apple mm-hmm. and I was probably doing them two, three, four hours a day, five days a week for a while. And I realized after, after doing this for a period of time, I got very, very, very burnt out, unfortunately, on Apple in general, but on speculate, especially on speculating about Apple mm. and what Apple yeah. is thinking and what are they doing and what will come next. And, and the minutia of these kinds of conversations, getting down to like, you know, the, these, these tiny little details. That, the, the Talmudic discussions of how you arrived at your reckon. Right. And right. I, I, I mean, mean, isn't that a big part of it? Is it like, yes. well, here's my random guess, but here's all my logic. Right. And mm-hmm. I, even when I was right, I mean, in a best case scenario, you'd be able to say, oh, I, I was right. Pat myself on the back. What a great thing I did that I was right about Apple changing the <laughs> font seven size. Seven bucks will get you a cup of coffee. <laughs> right. Jesus. I just burnt out on it. I just <laughs> I know, burnt I... out on it. And But I realized, Merlin, and this is the point that I wanted to make, is that yeah. that burning out after, I would say, a good six plus years of doing it every day, speculating. And even on the other shows that I did with, maybe our show is an exception of from this, but I did a news show and I did another show about like technology news that I just really burnt out on the whole idea of speculating as a, as a concept to the point where I just don't want to speculate about anything at all anymore. Mm -hmm. And 
I see that as a, a bad thing in a way because there is a, a um, there is an entertainment factor that can come from speculating about things, mm-hmm. even if. It, but but I don't want to do it about anything. I don't want to speculate about what Marvel's next generation of movies is going to look like. I don't want to speculate about what Apple comes out with next. I don't want to speculate about anything. It's, it's all it's, it's, just it's, in some ways, like when you really think about it, in some ways it's so monkey mind. I've been poisoned and ruined. I can't do it. But you anymore. know what I mean though? It's, it's, it's a way of providing grist for an unnecessary mm. mill. Like mm-hmm. it's like the, your gears need to grind on something. And so you, you come up with, I don't know, something related to Thanos. I never saw this like a movie, but like whatever it is, or, or like the, you know, wither the Apple keyboard, like, yeah. and so, okay. So, so you feel like, so you noticed it maybe because of Apple stuff, but you're, you're feeling like it, it applies to lots of speculation. It, it seems to apply to all of it. Like I just cannot, now that's different. I want to make a distinction and say that's different from prediction when you know a lot of facts and you're closer to the situation. So like predicting how, you know, my daughter would react to a backpack that wasn't pink. That's mm-hmm. a little different from speculation. I, I kind of reserve speculation to be that that thing that you do about something from which you are distant, from which you are simply an observer. Speculation involves, so, so like predicting is, is, a, is a less multifaceted thing. Mm-hmm. Speculation in my, I, I don't have the dictionary in front of me, but speculation to me means applying a lot more uh, what we could call reason mm-hmm. or explanations. But, it, but I think speculation has more, has such an important, the, the important component of, um, not intentionality. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, but the, when you speculate about something, you are at the heart of it trying to understand why something, whether something will happen, why it would happen. But the really interesting part of speculation, the, the, the real grist, is the figuring out the decision making that you can't know about right now. Isn't that, you know, part of speculation that is you like, can't you know, know speculation about, involves right. a prediction perhaps, but the speculating part is like, yeah, but like, why did the, yes, uh, right, the DNC right. do that? Or you right. know, why did Nancy Pelosi do that? Like, why did Johnny Ive leave? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, you, know, you know, well, the, and, and that's a perfect example because we'll, we'll never know. I think Johnny Ive probably knows and that he might be the only person who really knows, um, and that's the, that's the thing about it is we, you and I could spend hours if we wanted to speculating as to why he left and what it was. And is this, is this connected to why and Apple what does did it this and this? What does and it what mean? Is it, right. And yeah. uh, what, what will it mean for the future? And, uh, and yeah. none of, none of that. We will never, never, never know the answer. It's impossible well, if you did know the know. answer, what would you do differently? That's. We we were talking on um, on another program I do last week or so whenever it came out. We were talking about um, when you charge into battle. Uh, Max Temkin refers to it's such a funny line. Max refers to it as putting down your visor and mm. and jumping into internet battle, like where you <laughs> jump onto Twitter and you're the champion of a person or an idea, and then you go and you joust with all the other people that support this person and that idea. And and the phrase that I found myself saying was, okay, so you go and you do that, and. One way to look at it is what eight hours later, when you're done jousting, what will have changed? Right, but another nothing. way to say that is when you're done jousting, what should be better? Like to, to quote a movie we enjoy, what is this in service of? When you go into the speculation jousting ring, 
Like, what is your contribution going to improve? When, right. At what point will something be different, hopefully better, as a result of speculation? Which is a real karma suck thing to say, because speculation is fun. It's a fun parlor game, but speculation is also something that we can convince ourselves is very important. And I, I, I don't want to sound unkind, but you can really convince yourself that it's super important that you in particular speculate about this particular thing. Don't, don't you think? Yes. And I guess you can't be, you can't be dissuaded because that's your deal. Your deal is you're a speculation guy and you're, everybody's hanging on your idea about why the world works this piece of the world works in the way that it does. And I, th- I think it's difficult to say to somebody, it's a real uh, pop in the stack kind of thing to say like, why, why are you doing this? Like why, like, right. What, what's your, what's why your guessing, best? Why are you guessing about the materials of a keyboard? Well, the materials of the keyboard will eventually become known and you will, I mean, let, let's look at a prime example of this is the Sunday night before WWDC where, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of it's to like have content, you know, but like, yeah. why are why are you up late guessing what's going to be revealed at something in six hours? That's so odd. It's weird. It's weird to do it six months before. It's very strange to do it six hours before. Mm-hmm. Cause just, you know yeah, what you're going to chill out and wait a little bit. You have very it, little impact on that. Uh, I mean, you're really, all those electrons are just bouncing off the Cupertino spaceship. Like, why does it matter? <laughs> you you put yourself through so much, like, angst and aggravation in trying to, like, I don't know, figure out what, how much it will cost to subscribe to the Apple TV service. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's, inter- it's certainly interesting, and certainly, but let's look at a good one. Disney announces that their Disney Plus service is going to come out, and it's way less costly than anybody expected. And it was kind of surprising how how uh, low cost it was, and and I think, but but it's not enough to just go, wow, that was interesting. Now you have to speculate. Like that was actually super interesting. But now you have to speculate about what it means. Like what does this mean to Apple, and what does this mean to Hulu? And it's like, okay, I mean, I don't want to sound like a dick, but like who cares? Yeah, no, well, I agree. I mean, and what's going to happen is going to happen. Do you think somebody is sitting there pouring over your Twitter feed, waiting to find out what your hot take is on six ninety nine? It's just, it's so strange. But okay, now here's the other thing. And I won't let you finish, but here's the other part of this. And this is, this is the thing that I super need to remember. Yeah. W- involving speculation, which, and maybe I'll just, I'll just speak for myself and my own feeling about this. I'm not, and now I'm, I'm going to pull way back in and say this, this, this is not necessarily about anybody else, but I know this is true in, in me and I need to be careful. Um, when one speculates, when one tries, well, you know what we're really doing? We're looking at the story of our life. Mm-hmm. We're looking at the story Maybe the story of the world, but really the story of our life. And we want that story to just for the love of God, please make some sense. Please let my life make sense. Mm-hmm. And so you do that by trying to fit together these pieces. It's this pointillist approach to storytelling. You're gathering string and just trying so hard to have the way you think or the way you behave or for your past to somehow make sense to you. And you do that by guessing about the entire population of the world's motivation for doing everything. Because in order for your life to make sense, there must be motivations out there that you can understand. A lot of times, let's be honest, the motivation we guess about other people is something nefarious. And sometimes it's something extremely good. But in any any case, whatever it is, it's because we kind, I can't help finding myself 
I notice myself trying to have my life make sense. And that mm-hmm. involves speculation. And that's where I'm sitting there and I'm going like, again, why does Nancy Pelosi do what she does? Sometimes I'm super excited about it. Other times I'm not. Is she the devil? Is she our savior? No, she's a person in Congress who has a job. Now, see, even saying that, now the visors are down and people are going to come yell at me, probably, right? But but you follow, I mean, tell me if that makes sense to you no, it makes in your perfect experience. Sense. In my experience, it's about wanting the story of our life to make sense. And for the story of our life to make sense, we have to understand not only what the materials in the keyboard will be, but what it means <laughs> and what motivation it reveals. Because otherwise our story will, there's no other plausible explana- explanation for why an adult would care that much about the materials of a keyboard. Because you can't will it into being the thing that you want. So if it's not the, is it the thing I want? I don't know. Let me speculate. If it's not the thing that I want, I need to understand why and assign assign credit or blame otherwise my story doesn't make sense that's right and that's i think that is the key part to it is all of the points that you hit are so important one is what does it matter but two like these are the and and i wonder why there is still such an interest in this when i kind of because people got, i mean the keyboards suck here's the thing let's set aside all of that those keyboards suck and they need to do something about it it's dumb no, I'm, I'm not for a minute saying those keyboards are good. And there's, You want the keyboard to be good because you want Apple to be good right, because but your story makes more sense if your keyboard is good and Apple is good. But understanding what it is that makes the keyboard not good doesn't help you in getting a keyboard that is good from Apple. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think this is the difference, but, and this is maybe what the internet does, but... You know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, if your keyboard sucked, you'd say this keyboard sucks. I'm going to get a new one. And you'd look around and try different ones and maybe get a recommendation or two. Uh, and then you'd try a new one. And if it was better, you'd say this one is better. Mm-hmm. But knowing that there is some kind of scissor key, key switch or a butterfly switch or whatever is inside of them, knowing that, I mean, I guess you could say, well, I don't want to get the same kind of key switch in the new keyboard, but wouldn't you just go to the store and type on one until the, you found the, one you the, like the, and the try wanting it? that and the caring about that totally makes sense. It does. No, I can't argue it, with 100%, you. One hundred percent. I I want to really separate these two things. I just feel like you're very close to magical thinking at the point when you have derived so much confidence in your need to speculate and your ability to speculate. Do you think you're having an impact? I, I had an experience. Um last week. I don't know if I mentioned that I traveled and flew on United, <laughs> but I found myself at an airport in New England eat, having a horrible, horrible day. It already, at 10.40 a.m., it was already a horrible day. But I'm eating a lobster roll because my flight has been delayed, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, my mind is racing because I, I am having such a Buddhist throwdown with myself because <laughs> I hate flying. I hate traveling so much. But I need to do it because, you know, you, you got to do stuff with your family, whom, whom I love. But the getting there and the coming back is difficult for me. And my mind is racked with anxiety. But I'm sitting there eating a lobster roll at, uh, at probably 11, 1130 a.m., knowing that my flight has been delayed mm-hmm. and knowing that consequently, basically, I have two minutes to get from one terminal to the other on a bus in order to make that flight, which ain't going to happen. 
Because when you have a delay, there's a very high likelihood you're having another delay. I know this doesn't sound related, but I think it is. Because I sat there and my mind was spinning so goddamn fast, trying to figure out what I could will into happening, that I could just get on the plane. And remember now, here's the thing. This is to get, this is the, to take a less than 90 minute flight to get to my six hour flight. <sighs> I can't even get to my six hour flight that I'm pretty sure is going to be canceled. And so I'm sitting there in New England at 1130 in the morning, eating a lobster roll and just hating it so much. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was not very successful, but I did try to catch it. And I said, you know what? Calm down. Calm down. You're eating a lobster roll in an air-conditioned airport. It's not a very nice airport, but it's fine. You're not going to die as a result of this. The only reason I mention it here is, in that case, no amount of speculation about why United Airlines sucks balls <laughs> so hard could do one iota to change anything about my destiny that day. As mad as I could get, I'm never going to even find someone to help me. So all I can do is try to be comfortable in my own skin, enjoy my goddamn lobster roll. I don't get those here. You got to go to New England to get a good lobster roll. I try to eat one every day. And and I I don't know if that's entirely related. It is for me very related because my desire to will a story that makes sense does not actually have surpassingly large impact on what that story ends up being. And I, and I feel like, like I say, I think we can talk ourselves into believing that our speculation is extremely important, maybe for professional reasons, but also for our own personal storytelling reasons. It's extremely important that we be able to understand how things are the way they are. And, and so, and so you end up doing that, but mm-hmm. I'm with you, Dan. I mean, I think it's I think it's fun to talk about this stuff. There's a reason I'm on these dumb podcasts about computers. I think it's interesting too. But like, I I think it's also wise not to allow yourself to be persuaded that you're doing something extremely important. Not which is not a not a slam, but like I need to realize that I realize that what what I think here's one iOS 13 has added the ability to delete an app from inside the update area. Mm-hmm. So you get an update, finally, this is so great, you slide from right to left. So like you get this dumb update for a dumb app that you hate. Well, I guess I better update the app. Like, I hate this app. I hate looking at it. I hate the icon. I hate the release notes. I hate everything about this app. You can now slide from right to left and, and it deletes the app. I've wanted that for years. I've mm-hmm. willed that into existence for years because that's always seemed like a finally kind of thing for me. You know what? I got a feeling. I just got a weird feeling that my speculation about whether that would ever be in a future iOS release had less than zero impact on it ever being in there. Yeah. You know what? I could convince myself that I'm a semi-famous podcaster. And I know that, know that people who, who work in Cupertino listen to some of my programs. Maybe they've heard me complain about that. Do you know how insane I would have to be to believe that my desire for that had anything to do with it being there? And that my speculation about that had anything mm-hmm. to do with it being there? You would have to be so off your nut. Even if it is true, you're nuts to believe that it's important. I like that. Calm down. I know. That's me yelling at me. Calm down. I know. Just enjoy the lobster roll. It's probably not a good idea to eat seafood in an airport. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna accept that. I That's had some kind of. Um, I went to a Giants game there, and I in had San some. Francisco? Yeah, and I had okay. some kind of. Like a, maybe it was. A, I want to say it was a crab sandwich or something at the mm-hmm. in the stadium. They got a lot of food options here. 
it was it really seems terrible, good. But the food's great. Yeah, the food was really good. I was shocked yeah. because I've I've eaten plenty of you know uh, crappy food at a ball game, and that was amazing. I was blown away by it. Oh yeah, they got the they're famous for the garlic fries there. I mean, before you go uh, to whatever it's called this week uh, to that stadium, um, get a map of where stuff is and figure out what's nearby on your yeah. level. Oh man, there's so much good food there. I was really, really pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those modern-ish, I know it's been around for almost 20 years now, but it's one of those modern-ish stadia where uh, they really want it to be fun. Mm-hmm. You know, they really want it to be like something where you can wander around, your kid can go down a slide and stuff like that, the big Coca-Cola slide or whatever. They have a giant baseball glove. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Now, I don't even know if I have time to talk about baby stuff. Should I save it for next time? Yeah, you could save it. Listener Brad wants to know about adjusting to a new baby, and that's the one thing I prepared for. And and now I'm yelling. I'm yelling, Dan. I'm yelling. Is this any way for me to be? Well, no. You need to go eat a lobster roll or something. What what do you do to help yourself speculate more? Does it begin with noticing you're speculating? To speculate more or speculate less, you mean? Well, let's let's accept for the sake of argument for our... uh, professional podcast yeah. that uh, we would like to speculate about uh, to be more circumspect about when we speculate and what we think it will do. Well, yeah, what because do you, I think what do, you, if, what do you do? What do you do for that? Well, if you speculate a lot, it becomes a kind of pattern of, of thinking, right? And the more mm. we think a certain way, the more we will think that way. It's so part, mm-hmm. it is a muscle that you develop and strengthen whether you mean to or not. It's the same thing with, with having the muscle of worry, <laughs> the muscle of worry. Yeah. And I think that, I think what happens is if you catch yourself doing that, if you become aware that you're doing it, that you have a choice, at least, even, even if you catch yourself 50 times in a day doing it, at least you're aware of it. Like step one is to, to be aware of it. And then if mm-hmm. you find that it's not productive or if it causes frustration or if it causes you know, a, a negative feeling, then you can say, oh, I don't need to do that. I don't need to do that anymore. It, or what good is that? A, There's a, it becomes like magical thinking though, because you start sprinkling pixie dust on thoughts and acting like they're going to like start flying around the room of their own accord. There's the great movie bridge of spies. Have you seen that movie? No, I need to see that. Is that the Tom Hanks Spielberg one? Yeah. And it's, no, it's, and it's got, it's got that guy I like in it. Uh, yeah, the, the guy the, you like with the glasses. The, no, the one guy, you know who I mean, uh, the guy from, um, the one guy, that, yeah, the one actor, is he the guy from Six Feet Under, that guy? Sure. I, no, I know who you mean. I'll, I'll find out. Bridge of Spies. Okay, adding it to the list. Uh, so anyway, in this movie, it's a 2015 uh, film, and I think I thought it was a very good movie. Tom Hanks, of course, very good in it. <sighs> Rylance, that's the guy's name, right? Rylance. Is it Mark Rylance? I think that is his name. Yeah, Mark Rylance, that guy. I love that guy. And in the movie, now wait, I, now I got to look, Mark, R-Y, mm-hmm. L-A-N-C-E. He's the spy. He's the spy guy. Yes. That is the actor. Mark Rylance, he plays um, Rudolph Abel, I think is the guy's name. But he always says his, his best line in the movie, he says it a number of times. He's a Soviet spy or Soviet, as you like to say. Mm-hmm. And he has this line and, and apparently, you know, he's been accused of spying and he's going up like on trial for it and he's getting in big trouble and time. And he, but he doesn't seem especially phased about it. He's just like, eh. and mm-hmm. at one point, Tom Hanks character says to him, like, why aren't you nervous or something like something to that extent? <laughs> and, uh, and, and his answer is, 
would it help? Right. And wow. Um, and he says that at least once, if not a couple times through the movie, but it's such for me that summarizes his character and that person completely in that, you know, here he is faced with potentially maybe going to prison or being executed or mm -hmm. w whatever worst possible thing you could imagine uh, that could happen to him as a result of being caught for spying at a time when spying was the worst thing that you could be caught for really. And his response is, would it help? Right. And to really, it's one thing to say, ah, I'm not going to worry. What, what, that one's not going to help anything. But to actually, truly not worry because you understand intensely that there's nothing that you can do about it. And, and, and that the only thing <laughs> just eat that, your lobster roll. That's, up. that's, well, yes. Because yeah. like even, even so I had my, my eye doctor appointment yesterday. And as I, I noticed that uh, the night before, I was kind of rehearsing in my mind what what was going to happen. All right, and then they'll check for glaucoma, and they'll have you do this thing. And uh, I don't like when they look at the, with shine the bright eye, but and they got to blow the stuff. You know, in. and they, they blow yeah, the, stuff in. Oh, the place I go now uses a thing where they actually touch your eyeball briefly oh God, to check don't it. Touch my eyeball, you know. And so, like, I'm like rehearsing all of this stuff in my mind. Now, was I nervous about it? No, I wasn't nervous because I knew nothing bad was going to happen. But still, like. I'm anticipating and thinking about all the, well, if they do this and maybe I could do that or that. And I'm like, wait a minute, why the hell am I doing any of that? It doesn't help. In fact, not only doesn't it help, it, it starts creating anxiety. Your rational mind understands that so deeply that it rejects the stupidity of your realization. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, yes. you, you know that that's dumb, but, but. I mean, part of being an anxious person, I feel like is, and I, I've said this before, but something I came to realize over time was that, and, and this does relate to that book I'm always talking about, uh, Stopping the Noise in Your Head, but like the content of what I would like to think is causing the anxiety, uh, well, what, what if instead my brain just likes to joyride is one way I've thought about it, where it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not really trying to go anywhere, but it's going to keep running until, it's going to keep going until it runs out of gas. Mm -hmm. That like all it needs, it, it doesn't even, it just the, the most flimsy um, premise mm -hmm. will be plenty enough. Yeah. To, to create all of this drama out. within your own mind. Right. And like, yes, correct. And like, if you, if one were to accept that, if one were to try to remember that, if one were to apply that in life, one might conduct oneself very differently. Yes. Um, because you would be forcing yourself to say, dummy, what are you doing? Are you joyriding right now? Mm -hmm. Do you really want to be doing that? And if that, when you're done joyriding and you run out of gas, like where will you be? You know what you're going to be doing? You're going to be clamoring to go find more gas because you can't yeah. wait to pump that accelerator <laughs> again. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hope they fix those keyboards. <sighs> we'll talk about babies next week. Yeah, cool? let's do it next. Yeah, next I gotta, week. I got I got I to go to Gamescape. Listen, don't release this until I'm home, okay? I won't. I mean, I, I don't want, I, you know, who knows? Who knows? You know what I'm saying? I, I just, I, it's not that I don't want to meet people, but I, I, I don't want to, you know, have that thing where you run into somebody and, and you're like, oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just want to buy my paints. I, I got a whole list here of all the stuff I'm getting. I'm getting paints. Uh, and now I'm going to get whatever a Warhammer figure is. I'm going to get a small dragon for, for my daughter. Well, I, I think a, what? A new, I need a new insane brush. I need a new psycho brush. 
Well, the thing now apparently is Warhammer 4, 4, 4,000. Yeah. For 4, 4, 4K. 4, now we're back to the Ks again. Welcome to Warhammer 40,000, the thrilling hobby of tabletop wargaming. This is your gateway into the grim darkness of the far future where mighty armies clash across war-torn worlds and the bloodthirsty forces of chaos strive to overthrow the Imperium of mankind. No, no, no. I have already been introduced to that dark future, my friend. I'm living it. Yeah, I was going to say, that's just that's yeah. just your town. How sweet. How sweet that you haven't yet been introduced to the darkness. <laughs> the eldritch horror of what... What lurks below with the head of the snowman? So you have to choose a side, chaos, mm-hmm. Imperium, or Xenos. <laughs> and they all look horrifying. I just want to paint the little lead man. I know. <laughs> Leave me alone cool with gun. my dream. His, yeah. his gun is cool. <sighs> Thanks to our sponsor, uh, Molecule. Where can people learn more about Molecule? Uh, M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E, Molecule.com. Molecule.com. Yeah. <laughs> 1988. 1988. 1988. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Squeeze and bolt and hurt my neck. <laughs> it could be the title. You and I both put exactly the same yarn.io video in here. <laughs> uh, and so is he writing down that Char- Charlie Babbage had hurt him? Is that what he's doing? He's marking yeah, down his notebook? Yeah, he, he's, they're sitting in a, uh, in a little restaurant and this is in their, uh, their, Chautauqua journey across the country. And mm-hmm. at this point, um, because of Raymond Babbitt's, AKA Rain Man's. Babbitt, sorry, um, I said Babbage. Yes. Uh, his um, many fears and concerns about flying and other things like that. He's unwilling, even at this point, to ride on the regular interstate. So they're on all these secondary roads Blue to try and get yeah. across. Yeah. get across the country much slower and time is ticking and Charlie Babbitt's going to potentially lose his auto import business if he doesn't get back in time. So there's a lot of stress and pressure. <clears throat> and at this point he's pretty fed up. Charlie is uh, Tom Cruise with, um, with Raymond. So they're in a restaurant and Raymond is upset because the maple syrup is not going to be put on the table before the pancakes. Oh, the maple syrup is supposed to be on the table before. Before the pancakes. And he doesn't have it. And he says, of course, of course, I don't have any toothpicks. He says, you don't need toothpicks here, Ray. We're in a restaurant. You don't need toothpicks here. Of course, I don't have my toothpicks. I love it so much. So at this point, um, and Tom, Tom, Tom Cruise is at the end of his rope. He's very much at the end of his rope and who can blame him. And so he sort of, he kind of grabs Ray around the, the back of the neck as if it's like, dude, like call, chill out, dude, calm down. And, and immediately he's like, Oh, and he starts flipping through his, his note. He pulls out the right notebook, starts flipping through to the end, starts writing. And, uh, of course, Charlie then grabs it out of his hand and says, Serious injuries to Raymond Babbitt. <laughs> Serious injuries to Raymond Babbitt. He says, Ser- now, Char- Charlie Babbitt uh, pulled, squeezed and pulled and hurt my neck. 1988. <laughs> and it, Which is that year. Right. That's the year it came out. Yeah. Yes. So great <sighs> line. Great movie. Still holds up. Watched it with my son. So is, and, I was gonna, uh, just going to ask. It is, is great. It, it is still good. Yes. I mean, there it's are certain. It's kind of the role Tom Cruise was made for i love so good in it he's so good in it and what i didn't realize when i was in probably late high school seeing this movie how much of a real real jerk charlie babbitt really is in the beginning he's very he's very selfish memory service very selfish and deceptive and not not likable yeah 
And uh, of course, through the course of the movie, that that changes as he develops a relationship with his brother. Yes, uh, but I've not seen the famous scene, but it is it's so sweet. Yeah, the, like the you know the hot water burn baby is so yeah like, oh, so God, good. That sucks so much. I love that movie. I watch it. Like I said, I watch it with my son, and he uh, is he quoting he, it yet? Uh, he recognizes the quotes <laughs> that I give from it now, which is the main reason I wanted him to watch it so he would understand. Anytime that's why we watch Jesus Christ Superstar. Like I want you. Oh yeah, to know, that's why I, you've got Just, to you know, know this. If some, because for years, if something falls in the ground, it's 82, 82, 82. Oh my god. Uh, there's more than 82 toothpicks in that box, right? And so um, now I can just say 82 when something falls and he'll 82. he'll know what it's from. Or like the other day, <laughs> he asked me a year about something and I just said, it, you know, such and such in 1988. And he <laughs> he he laughs. So it's a, another fun thing that we can laugh about. Have you refreshed watched my memory? Is, is, Ray, is Raymond allowed to drive the car? Uh, slow in the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Airplane recently? Airplane? No. The 1980 airplane. I do I want to know if it's still good? I don't know because I haven't watched it. I, I was, feel like there's no way it's because there's there's certain movies like okay, like for example, like um, as one of our uh, in our journey to go through the Mike Schur universe, of course, we watched uh, Parks and Rec, and that led us to Angie Tribeca. Have you seen Angie Tribeca? No, sir. It's very. You might want to show it to your kid. It's very airplane. It's all right. Or Police Squad. Police Squad is so hard yes, to find. Yes, yes, yes. Very hard so, to find. I mean, even in the dark corners and rafters, it's really hard to find. But I, I keep thinking like, I mean, just you think about, uh, Syracuse and I were talking about this recently, how the pacing of 80s and 90s movies is so different than movies today. But yeah. I mean, I wonder if Airplane is as drop dead funny minute after minute as I remember. It seems like it can't possibly be. Well, I, bet, I, bet, I bet a lot of it, especially knowing those guys and where they ended up, I imagine it's like pretty offensive too. It is. Uh, I believe from what <laughs> I was- lady talks jive. Yeah, she speaks jive. Like literally there is nothing off limits as far as what they're going to, to do in this movie. There's a sale at Penny's. <laughs> I love, I, and, and, uh, and, and all the drug references and all the sexual jokes. I just don't think he's my yeah. son as a, an almost 12 year old is ready to see it. But it, dude, it came out in 1980. I saw it in the theater. I was eight. You lived it. But how was it okay for an eight year old to see that movie in 1980? Oh dear. Times were so different. There were so many penises and everything back then. Oh my gosh. Everything you couldn't see a movie, even a kids movie, a kids movie would have topless women in it. I had to get like permission for PG. Yeah. Also, Jesus Christ Superstar. That is so not a rated G movie. Jesus Christ on a cracker. Forgive my saying. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, TBS program called Angie Tribeca with that uh, the, the, the lady there, uh, Rashida Rashida Jones. Uh huh. Yeah. You should check out Angie Tribeca if you want a very airplane esque thing. You might want to watch one. Uh, you know, just to see if it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it, it's a very, it's very related to uh, airport humor, airplane airport, airport is the movie that had my first, cr- first crush in it. Airport. Airport at, upon uh, which airplane is based. Yes. It, th- that, and po- I think Poseidon. Yeah. Adventure. Young Jacqueline Bissett. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I really liked her when I was little. She was my first crush, maybe even before Catwoman. Really? Well, you, I mean, you're well, talking Cat, about Catwoman. Catwoman went much deeper. Catwoman was a much deeper and abiding long-term relationship for me mentally. But um, no, I think her name was Gwen. She was uh, she was an air hostess. What do they call it? Uh, a a stewardess. Stewar- stewardess. 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 Was the term we had back. She's an airplane days. attendant. Yeah. <laughs> Not on United. All right, I got to go buy some paint.
All right. Let's have fun. Up. Okay. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man. Woo. That was good and stupid.